On this week's show, we're going to be talking about McLaren clinching their first double podium of their season and their continued revival. Uh, Red Bull managing to clinch the Constructors' title without any help from Perez this weekend. And, of course, go through some inbox, which I do promise isn't solely about Sergio Perez. I promise there is some non-Sergio Perez in there. Let's kick it off. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Just the two of us this week, Chris and I, will be uh, running through a Japanese GP review. Sadly, no stew, but I think we're back to full strength next week. I right? think so. Yeah, It's been a weird few weeks, but I think we're going to be back to normal quite soon. Yeah. I mean, the more likes, shares and subscribe we get, the more, the more chance you have of us of all being here. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> one like equals one stew. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that one, that's too low of a target. <laughs> that's too low yeah, of a target. <laughs> We're not doing this YouTube thing right. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, seriously, if if you are joining us on YouTube, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, remember to like, share, subscribe, put stuff in the comments below. Um, as you can see from all the episodes, we like interacting with the comments both here and everywhere else. But um, yeah, we'll always pull up your questions for inbox as well if we see any. But let's let's talk about. Yeah, let's not talk about the future of comments. Let's talk about the weekend just gone of the Japanese Grand Prix. It's it was a good one, I think. Not good in a different way. It wasn't like I don't know. It, it felt like a very different race to a lot of this season, but I still enjoyed yeah. it. It was a little bit. There were times when you looked down the time in terror, and it was just pretty much all the teams were together, but um. Normally, when you see that, it leads to a very boring race. But actually, this was—it kind of came together quite nicely towards the end, especially. Yeah, um, it was—it was a nice, enjoyable one. I mean, I must admit, I wasn't in the crew that got up like crack of dawn for it. I must admit, I watched it about thirty minutes delayed. So I just turned all notifications off and just sat and watched it delayed. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, because yeah, some of the notifications would have definitely ruined it for me. I can tell you that. <laughs> So, um, I mean, some of the craziest talking points surround where we'll probably go first. So I'm going to let you do your recap, and I'm sure that you'll probably start yeah. where I expect you to start, and we can get into that stuff. Well, we'll do the we'll do the positive Red Bull stuff first, <laughs> which is that they have sealed the constructors championship for the sixth time. Um, I mean, if there were any doubts about the Red Bull of Verstappen after Singapore. They're pretty much gone. He was yeah. like over half a second quicker than anyone else in qualifying. Like, yeah, unbelievable. Did you see like the? There's a few different outlets do where they do like a visualization of all the qualifying laps and how close they would be over the line. Yeah, and Verstappen was like car lengths ahead of anybody else. It was yeah. a phenomenal lap. Um, just, just answers the point we were talking about last week with the fact that if there's anywhere. In the entire season, this car is going to truly excel. It's probably a circuit like Suzuka. And Might as well have been built for that car. Lo and behold, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like we sometimes know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we did see again what is maybe the only weakness of that Red Bull, which is getting off the line. Like it was a pretty yeah. tardy start for Verstappen. I don't know how Verstappen held the lead. Like stuck in the middle of the track with McLaren either side of you managing to keep the lead. I mean, he must have just mm. hit the brakes as late as he possibly dared to stay ahead of them. It was I think impressive a stuff. A combination of, yeah, being as late as possible and a little bit of uh, elbows out, I think. But, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting when he when he has these starts, he, he does always put it down to just essentially hitting too much wheel spin. So whether there's something they need to, to look at in that regard when it comes to like the way that they've got the... Um, the clutch program for the starts i don't know but yeah it's uh it's it's the only weakness in his in his entire it has to have one right that, that and singapore that's it yeah they're the only two weaknesses a little bit of wheel spin at the starts and it can't be fast in singapore <laughs> which for a championship season that's 20 something races long i'll take that yeah they'll take week. that <laughs> um I mean, beyond that, though, I mean, 
it was just just dominant from start to finish basically yeah. like what can you say um, I mean the gap in the end was was about 19 seconds he won by or something but that was obviously with a couple of safety car interventions so who knows how big that gap could have been um, but yeah I suppose we'll move to the other side of the Red Bull garage <laughs> um, sadly this is the bigger talking point than the 6th Constructors Championship and yeah I mean, on on a championship note, I guess before we move away from it, Verstappen can still mathematically clinch the title on the Saturday, which you were yes. kind of hopeful for for the just the the weirdness that will ensue should that happen. Yeah, that makes me happy. It's I, actually quite likely again now, which yeah, they this well, I think Perez has to outscore him basically to keep it going. Yeah, I think that. It's unlikely, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, I'd be surprised if Perez even scored points in Qatar at all, considering where he's been. Recently. I mean, Max always seems to make to win championships in a slightly odd way anyway, so it would yeah. just kind of keep that yeah. going. <laughs> I love how you referred to it as a slightly odd way. I'm not opening any kinds <laughs> of words. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, that, that ends it all, Twitter, or X, whatever you are now. No more debates on 2021. It was just a slightly odd just thing slightly to odd. happen. Just slightly <laughs> odd. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they won that title kind of despite Perez. Um, it was only fifth in qualifying, eight tenths off max, which is honestly far from the worst qualifying he's had this season, but it wasn't great. He got damaged at the start. Probably not really his fault, the one off the start. He kind of just got pinched between Hamilton and Sainz, I think it was. Um, yeah, it was just a bit of argy-bargy at the beginning, that one, I think, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I'm not yeah. even sure where you'd put blame for that incident, to be honest. I think it was just one of those do, things. Do you know what? He had that much of an eventful race thereafter of things that were his fault and his problem directly that I'd kind of forgotten about that, if I'm totally honest. Yeah, I mean, he had a bad start as well, which kind of put him in that position, but it's not like yeah. he actually caused the incident. But yeah, so he had to, he lost his front wing there. Then when he's taking his pit stop to change said wing, he picked up another penalty for overtaking under the safety car, which initially it looked like it was when he was coming out of the pits and he'd steam past some people and had to slow down. But then later in the race, there was also a replay of him entering the pits and it looks like he had gone past somebody on track before he had hit the pit entry line so i don't know which one it was he actually got penalized for i I believe it was the one on entry and the 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 thing that was misleading about it was obviously the fact that initially the thing that they were showing was him coming out um but the penalty was specifically for him yeah i can't remember who he went past was it alonso i think he sort of gunned it up alongside someone, and I think it was Alonso. And yeah, it might have been. And officially hit the, the what will have been the safety car line too soon. Um, yeah, it's... I mean, the, the one... It would have been harsh if he got a penalty for the other one, I think, because he came out, obviously avoiding the debris and everything, worked out where he should be, and then kind of let everyone pass. Like, he didn't do anything untoward, I don't think, on the way out, essentially. Um, yeah. So I think like there was a there was a lot of talking commentary about like if that's what it's for it seems a little harsh and I sort of agreed with that but then when you go to the entry and him intentionally gun it and essentially again it's his fine margins but he's hit that safety car line he's hit that timing point before the car ahead of him or that should have been ahead of him and that's in itself is a penalty isn't it that's yeah it's that's, a pretty silly mistake to make as well yeah it's the same same as doesn't matter if you're speeding for the first five feet or of the yeah pit entry or not it doesn't matter how far it is like you've done it unfortunately so exactly yeah yeah, yeah. the first of the the smallest of many mistakes let's say <laughs> yeah um and then we had him trying to overtake magnuson at the hairpin which was just such a clumsy dive bomb like just slinging his car from miles back into a gap that was always closing like it yeah. just looked it just looks desperate doesn't it if it just looked like he was, was overdriving trying to make up for a bad start to his race basically i mean it was 
it was virtually identical to what he did to Albon in Singapore. Yeah, it Just, really was. like, shove it up the inside and hope the other car somehow disappears. Like, not even being in line with the rear axle, really, at the time of trying to make a move. Because that's the point of contact. It's like his his nose and his front axle to their rear and their side pod. So it's, you know, if that's the point that you're making contact midway through the corner, the move was definitely never on. There's, no. Like, there's no arguing it at all. Um, and so Julian Palmer, I think it was, made a very interesting comment on the F1 commentary on F1 TV uh, saying, I wonder if earlier in the season there was a point where everyone saw a Red Bull in the mirrors and kind of just moved out the way. Like, whether it's that they're half assuming it's Max coming to lap them or whether it's that they're just like, I'm not going to fight this because it's, it's the Red Bull. Uh, whereas now people are starting to think, well, it's Perez and, you know, he's not actually that fast in that car. I'm going to see if I can... Like, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to hold position, essentially. Like, I am going to fight it, whereas earlier in the season they were maybe just giving it away a lot easier and... Perez is almost still in the wrong mentality of I'm just going to put the car here because they just get out of my way because I'm in a Red Bull and unfortunately it doesn't work like that especially when you're having the the form of the season that he's currently in yeah yeah that's that's true actually then there was also when he was under the VSC that he caused with that collision he was kind of limping back to the pits but kind of not going that slowly and sort of staying on the racing line. And Norris was really annoyed because he lost like something like nine seconds to Verstappen because he was like not sure if he could overtake was him. actually okay to overtake him or not. Which yeah, was... it was some, somewhere near Spoon, I think that, wasn't it? That he was holding yeah. Lando up pretty much. That was so... all very weird. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and then obviously he retired and then unretired later on and... We, I, we'll talk about that later on. I'm sure you can guess which bit of the podcast will bring that back up. But, <laughs> like, I think I read someone said in the last two or three races, Checo has picked up more penalty points than championship points. Like, yep. Hamilton's <laughs> now only 33 points behind him for second place in the drivers. Because um, Red Bull have never got a one-two in the drivers' championship. And that's looking like... They're not going to. <laughs> no, it still might not happen. Yeah, and like, this is all like a couple of days after Red Bull confirmed Ricardo and Sonoda are staying at AlphaTauri next season. Mm. You know, the whole the message the whole time has been Perez has got a contract for next season. That's the way it is. But like, you've got to wonder how long they're going to persist with that, especially now they've got Liam Lawson kind of yeah. there waiting. In the, you know, like he had another decent weekend and he's very much waiting in the wings as well they've got plenty of good driving talent like yeah no no points for either Alpha Tari this weekend but Lawson was ahead of Sonoda by the end of the race wasn't yeah, he yeah he was 11th so, and 12th I think they finished yeah yeah I, I mean I don't know do you think Perez is still going to be there next year right now <laughs> a part of me wants to say no I just like He's he's becoming as unreliable and um do you know what? I think it will really depend on if he manages to hold on to the second place in the championship. Mm. Let's let's put it that way. But it's like when you look at the, the points gulf between him and Verstappen, it's similar to the difference between like in comparison between like Alonso and Stroll. The performances feel at least at the moment, similar in the sense that Verstappen's absolutely getting the ma- the max, the maximum <laughs> and beyond out of the car, and Perez is just tooling around, like just bumping into things and other drivers that he shouldn't be, and that feels very much like what Aston Martin's current headache is: is that Alonso's there getting as much as he can out of the car, and Stroll is like pooling round or wrecking it in qualifying and doing so much damage to both the car and himself he can't compete in the race full stop let alone when he does start a race and 
retires from it or finishes way down the order. Like, mm. I feel like they're almost similar situations and the number of people that call for Stroll to be gone, I'd be very surprised if there's many that call for Perez to stay, if that makes sense. Like, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's different in the two scenarios, I guess is what I'm getting at. Along yeah. TLDR, what's, what's the difference between Perez and Stroll? The colour of the car, probably, and that's about it. Um, Max, who is our resident Discord statistician, informs us that mm. Hamilton needs to pre pre Suzuka. Hamilton needs six point one points more than Perez per race to overhaul him, and he's not done that at any point in the season yet. Okay. But if Perez is having DNFs, that could change very quickly. Um, yeah, but like you know, I've uh, I've there's been a lot of Perez bashing. That's kind of been one of the main sort of plot points of this season and you always want to give drivers a chance but like is he performing any better than Albon or Gasly did when they got dropped I don't think he is and and herein lies the thing for me is people can talk about how dominant this car is to the ends of the earth but like the fact that Perez is in second place is owed to that like yeah that when he he does manage to put a clean weekend together it, it, it by proxy is getting a podium because he's just managed to stay out of trouble which is a bizarre situation to be in but like if he he has to have a good weekend to scrape a podium but this car is capable of like winning every race bar Singapore basically yeah like like what I just Max has nearly twice the points as him. Twice the points. That's and that's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. And like, you know, the drivers' championship is never an accurate measure of, you know, the order of how good the drivers have actually been. But there's a lot of drivers in that list I would say are closer to being the second best driver this year over Sergio Perez, that's for sure. I'll give you an interesting stat. For, the, for this conversation. Do you know who's got the most second place finishes this season? I think it's Lando now, isn't it? After Well, he's he's tied oh, with is he tied? Sergio. So he's second place this weekend, tied him with Sergio Perez. That's mad, especially how, when you think where that McLaren was. Yeah, how is a car that was finishing, I don't even know what it was, like back of the pack, yeah, 18th, 17th, 16th at best, first three races of the season. How is a car that was there now got a driver in it that's like essentially performing in theory at the same level as Sergio Perez was earlier yeah. in the season? Like, I mean, as much as that tells a story about the way McLaren have turned this season around, it also tells you a story about the season Sergio Perez has had. That's yeah. for sure. We'll carry on talking about McLaren then, given that we've mentioned them. Uh, as you say, double podium, yeah. maiden podium for Piastri. Finally works. He's, he's come very close a couple of times, but it's finally worked out yes. for him. Uh, Piastri actually the faster of the two in qualifying. Um, he lost second place at the start. He kind of ended up back in second through strategy, but ultimately the team asked him to give second place back to Norris because uh, Norris was quicker. Like Piastri is definitely still missing a bit of race pace in comparison to Norris, but the gap's getting yeah. smaller and smaller, isn't it? It's it's one of those things where he's a he's in a rookie season. Like yeah. I'm not gonna expect him to be on Lando's gearbox twenty four seven, but I think that this is the kind of thing that will unfortunately happen when you're in a rookie season you are slightly off the pace. It's not I the thing is I think Piastri's a sensible enough guy to not take that situation to heart, take it personally, you know, see a negative in it because the way that Lando like instantly disappeared down the road just showed the extra pace and Piastri will know full well that like, you know, if he can chase off and even just threaten Max, like force Max to have to, you know, put in the best laps he can to, to maintain the gap, that pressure is enough to maybe force a mistake or cause him to have to move from like a two stop to a three stop because he's having to use it. Like 
that's the kind of pressure that can lead to the victory because if you just let them cruise off and just go, no, we're comfortable with this 2-3, let's just sit here, you A, open yourselves up to the attacks from behind and B, don't put that pressure on the guy that's in front to to force, well, attempt to force a mistake, attempt yeah. to force them to think about strategy a little bit more and make it difficult for them. And I think Piastri is smart enough to, like I say, not really see anything beyond that. I mean, yes, I'm sorry, yeah. in a Lando Norris shirt, but <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a team game and unfortunately that was the team move in that scenario. And given where that team are currently, there's no point as a driver really you arguing over second and third place. You know, maybe Verstappen had like crashed out on one of the opening laps and it was for the win. He probably would have argued it a bit harder, but you know. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Given where McLaren are right now, what they're fighting for, yeah, it was it was the sensible and, choice all around, really. And the the other side of it is that it would have happened eventually anyway, even if they'd have told them yeah. to settle it between themselves on track, with the pace that Lando had, he would have he would have made the move had he had to. He just didn't want to essentially push against his teammate, use up his tires, etc. If he didn't have to, that was the whole point of the conversation. Yeah, it's not worth risking it. Yeah. Um, unlike Mercedes, who for the second race in a row just seemed to want to fight each other rather than anybody else. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a weird one. This one, um, yeah, I don't know uh, where it yeah. came from. I don't know. I, yeah, I feel like it's... they could have got a slightly better result if they'd not done what they did at the end. Let's put it that way. I mean, I know it's only one place, but. I feel like there was a potential that with... Essentially, the second that Lewis went ahead of George, George was a sitting duck and he was going to get overtaken. Um, I understand mitigating the risk of if they don't swap the cars, they risk them both being overtaken. But it was... George to Lewis to... Which Ferrari was behind them? Was it uh, Science. Science. So... In that order, Lewis had the better opportunity to defend because George was the one struggling. And it was very, like Carlos called it out himself, but it was like very reminiscent of him leading Lando around because he was aware that if he gets overtaken by Lando, he will be a sitting duck for everyone behind him. And, yeah. and so it was it was almost a mirror image of the, of the scenario. And... That's why I think that they possibly could have held out in the way that... I think the difference is the circuit. Suzuka's not is. like Singapore, and it's a lot easier to awkwardly position yourself on an apex and, and make that move impossible at a circuit like Singapore. And I, I imagine that's the main thing that was going through Mercedes's minds of we can secure a fifth and maybe a sixth, but if we stay the way we are we potentially lose both I, I think signs would have got them both if they'd have tried to faff around yeah. staying the same way and it's also worth noting that when signs did pass Russell Russell was still getting DRS off Hamilton at that point and signs yes. passed him anyway so that exactly. just shows because Russell gambled on a one stop and yeah. it didn't really pay off for him so yeah. I think it was smart for them to just you know Lewis is clearly a lot faster just let him oh. go over, overall, I think it was the right call. But yeah, there is a part of me that wanted to see if they could have done it the other way around. I generally, yeah. I generally think they've at least had a good go at it. But yeah, probably the right call overall. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Ferrari generally looked quicker than the Mercedes again. I think Mercedes mm. were a little bit caught out by the temperatures being a bit higher than expected there like Mercedes have generally had a bit of a tire advantage over a lot of teams but with the higher temperatures that kind of evaporated and yeah. Ferrari generally looked a bit quicker they finished either side of Hamilton in the end um, four races in a row now Ferrari have outscored Mercedes they're only 20 points behind them now in the fight mm. for second which the fight for second which has now just become Ferrari and Mercedes and Aston Martin have just kind of disappeared fallen by the wayside yep um Alonso's still the only driver to make Q3 at every single race this year, which yeah. is something. Only just. I was about um, to say, by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. 
but he only yeah he could only finish eighth. He reckons sixth was possible, but the team just kept pitting him into traffic, which they. Mm-hmm. He was pretty frustrated about that. And to be fair to him, like I, I, I see his frustration. Like every time he came at the pits, it was just traffic city for him. Yeah, he he was not a fan of the strategy, was he, this weekend? No. Um, I think, again, just something from coverage that kind of got pointed out that you don't always think about, but tension always feels high for Alonso in, in Suzuka. <laughs> like it, it is somewhere that he holds quite dear like he's a very big sort of fan of the culture and the circuit itself and so on like i think he holds it in that high esteem that he always wants to do so well it means a lot to him to get the results at suzuka and in japan and i feel like that's why there's all these boiling pot moments <laughs> where it just like bubbles over and you get the yeah. explosion from him because this is it's Suzuka for the infamous GP2 engine. Yes. Rant. Um, and I think and the drivers all just love that circuit as well and like want I to mean, get a result there. Yeah. Out of all the circuits going, like just in the world, it's probably one of the ones that, in terms of like just general public doing like simulator racing and even casual arcade racing on yeah. games consoles, whatever. It must have the some of the highest lap count in it. Oh, it's got to, yeah. Circuits like that, Spa's probably another one, maybe Silverstone as well. Like just these big headline ones that have more or less been the same for fifty years. I mean, yeah, fair enough, they've had modifications to them, particularly Silverstone out of that lot, but to be part of the like traditional race circuit bunch, I think, means quite a lot to people and I mean, people used to win and lose championships in Japan, didn't they? Like it was, yeah, it was like end of the season, this sort of time when we were racing there, and yeah, I've got so many memories from like the nineties of people winning and losing championships there, and it's and you'd always want to get up early because you didn't want to miss the championship being decided like yeah, exactly, and there's there's a difference of why I didn't get up this year because <laughs> it was <laughs> only the constructors this year. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, going back to that second place battle, like Aston Martin are now sixty four behind Ferrari and eighty four behind Mercedes. Like I can't good, see them getting that back at all. I think for, I reckon Ferrari are going to pit Mercedes today in the end. The way they've been closing that gap, they're in better form generally, aren't they? It would seem, and and Sainz personally appears to be in very good form yeah. since the summer break, as we talked about last time. So I've got six races to claw back 20 points. That sounds doable. Yeah. I, unfortunately for Mercedes, I think so. Yeah. Um, who's next on the list? Alpine. Alpine, probably, yeah. I mean, on paper, it looks like not a bad result for them. Like They had a pretty ropey qualifying. Mm. Ocon got a puncture on the opening lap ended up finishing ninth and 10th both cars in the points not a terrible result under the circumstances but they just seem to like be creating this like inter-team drama unnecessarily hmm. like that they asked late in the race the team asked Ocon to let Gasly through because Gasly was on fresher tyres they wanted to see if he could chase down Alonso completely makes sense he didn't. He didn't make any inroads into Alonso at all. So then on the last lap, they were like, oh, okay, give the position back to Ocon then. And Gasly just kind of questioned it and was like complaining on the radio. And then, I don't know if you saw his onboard after the checkered flag, but he was like waving his arms out the cockpit and like punching his steering wheel and punching the halo and stuff and like complaining in the interviews afterwards. And Ocon was just like, I've been in this team years. That's what we always do. And yeah. it just feels like they... It feels like Gasly overacting, but also I just think the team didn't... Like, every other team, when they do this kind of thing, the message is always, he's going to let you through, go and try and get the guy ahead. If you can't get him, we'll swap back. Yeah. And it felt like they didn't say that to Gasly. And then he got all Did you hear what angry. they did say? Have you heard what they did say to him? Because I haven't. I think I, I, if it, if it yeah. was played on my coverage, I missed it. I must admit. I think it was just a... Ocon will let you through at turn whatever. I think that's all the message was. Uh, right. So yeah, it's it's just yeah. 
weird. And I also don't see why he's <laughs> reacting that badly over ninth and tenth place. Who is again? The, who was the one? Sorry, that was. Um, this is an instruction. Was that? That was, was that George and yeah. yeah, George and Lewis. Okay. That's where he's like, oh, should we do it last lap and do the DRS? And like, no, George. <laughs> <laughs> this is an instruction. <laughs> yeah. It, it. I don't know if that's Gasly being frustrated with the team or Gasly not liking Ocon finishing ahead of him, but it was... Mm. just seemed like a massive overreaction. It was a really weird one. Yeah. They, maybe there's something else under the surface we don't know about. It feels like it, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, uh, who's left Alfa Romeo had a nice big upgrade package uh, they both still went in Q1 <laughs> and then they both got caught up in various messes on the opening lap um, Bottas retired Joe like limped home to 13th but honestly if people didn't crash into them during a race I would kind of forget they existed I must admit I mean I would so hope that their I'd hope that their upgrade package was focused on better race pace which obviously <laughs> they didn't never, have much time to show if they had any. So. Never panned out. Yeah. Um, rough day for Williams as well. Uh, double retirement for them. Mm. Albon also a sort of opening lap victim. He got just sort of punted into the air. He tries to keep going for a while as well, but that was a big yeah. old hit he had to come back from. It was, it um, was te- technically the last retirement, I think, when I looked down the list. He might have he, been, he, yeah. He lasted, he lasted the longest out of everyone. From what I can see, 26 laps. So, I suppose it depends on at what point you stopped counting Perez's laps and started counting them again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> he's down as doing 15 laps here, and I don't know, how, genuinely don't know how many of them were after he'd already been in the box. But <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. <laughs> um, and then Sergeant had to start from the pit lane. This is a weird one, actually. He had that massive crash in qualifying. Yeah, and then. The team had to replace so many things on the car, they inadvertently broke the rule about having the third car, which is why you had to start in the pit lane, which is pretty funny. I've not even heard the term third car in about a decade. They changed so many parts, it was basically a new car. Yeah, the FIA were like, that's that's not the same car anymore. <laughs> You're going to have to start from the pit lane. I wonder where, I'd love to know where the line is of like, this is the same car, this is yeah. a different car. Like, is it a certain number of elements? Is it a certain combination? Is it just a certain one element? Like, I'd love to know where they draw the line of, nope, that's a different car now, that. Cause... It's like a, what is it, the ship of thesis thing where you keep replacing parts and, like, is it even the same car anymore? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, to be fair, though, they, like, there's quite a few times that people wipe all four corners off a car in quality and don't get that same penalty unless they've damaged like the gearbox or something and they've had to do a a gearbox change but yeah for it to be but again that's that's a precise penalty for a precise change like it's a gearbox change and therefore it warrants that pit lane start penalty and, and stuff like that if this is like explicitly you've basically built a third car guys I'd like <laughs> said I'd, I'd love to know where the line was genuinely um Sergeant though, another another big crash in qualifying. Um, then he locked up and ran into Bottas in, at the hairpin. Yeah, I mean, he's another driver that we've sort of tried to give the benefit of the doubt and the time to improve. But I don't know that that qualifying crash that felt like a bit of a line had been reached for me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also the stuff in the race. Like the the car looked like he got a bit of an un, like he got a bit loose unexpectedly in qualifying. I can give him some kind of benefit of the doubt or whatever for something like that. I mean, everyone during the weekend was comparing it to an incident uh, Kubica had when he made his brief return. It was like mm-hmm. very very similar sort of just understeering into the grass and then at that point you're just a passenger that you can't recover it at that point just because of the yeah. speed that you're coming around that final bend anyway um alan mcnish had a very similar crash in the same place for two hours two years ago as well yeah like it's it's definitely doable if you either get a little bit of a snap or 
the front end washes out. Like, there's definitely scenarios that can cause it, so I can give benefit of doubt to that. Um, but yeah, just just his driving standards in the race have really been subpar. I mean, yeah. this unfortunately he's he's fallen into the territory of reasons why Mick Schumacher no longer has a drive. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it's people used to be able to put up with the damage to the cars and stuff for the sponsorship money because it outweighed it. But now in the cost cap era, it's just not feasible, I don't think, anymore. And that's why Haas just couldn't maintain the situation with Schumacher. And I feel like Williams might start having to reconsider the situation with Sargent, which is a shame because he's he's done well in junior, for, junior formula and it was, it was really promising to see him move up onto the grid. But... I just I don't see what he's bringing to that. Look, when someone like Liam Lawson could potentially have that seat next year, I know who I'd choose, let's put it that way. Yeah, and this is the thing, isn't it? I'd like, I think the only thing that might save Sargent is that Williams kind of very much of reviews have been like, he's, he's our guy, he's the one we're going to bring up. And they have yeah. kind of said over the last year that they've did end up promoting him probably a year earlier than they ideally wanted to. And then, you know, I do think that junior drivers aren't given nearly enough time these days compared to what how it used to be. But again, at the same time, as a summer in the team, particularly as Williams are generally improving and moving up the grid these days, you need to have the best two drivers you can in your two cars. Like, Williams yeah. are in a real... Um, championship fight this year like they're still holding on to seventh place but Haas Alfa Romeo not a million miles behind them and they've only got one driver scoring points for them like I mean I don't just just sorry on this note but Max has just posted something in the discord called the world destructors championship which I've yes, not I've seen, seen before now and the top culprits do not surprise me whatsoever, but the actual gap to generally the rest of the field is insane. So if anyone's not seen this, maybe we can repost it somewhere or something, but essentially Logan Sargent, Lance Stroll and Sergio Perez have all done well over $2 million worth of damage to their car, allegedly. And then you've got like Bottas, Verstappen and Alonso I mean, I want to read how many people it takes me to total up Sergio Perez's damage. Verstappen, Bottas, Alonso, Hamilton, Norris, and then a bit of George Russell. <laughs> That's how much it takes to do the same amount of damage that Sergio Perez has done. I'm not even going to try Lance Stroll because I'll probably or Logan Sargent because I'll probably get a lot, a lot further up that list. And that's you know when you're a team at the bottom who's not getting anywhere near the budget cap. It's yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of the I mean, money it's... to be losing to stuff like that. Yeah. It's the last seat unconfirmed on the grid now. And mm. yeah, I mean, they don't need to rush it. I guess they'll wait until the end of the season to make a call then. Um, I did see someone ask Christian Horner about Lawson potentially being loaned out to Williams. Um, and interestingly, he said, I'm not sure Williams would want to take a driver just for one year, which is a lot to be read between the lines in that comment. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then the last team we have mentioned is Haas. Um, they were the last two cars that finished on the road again. They've got an upgrade package coming in Austin, apparently. Um, I mean, it can't come soon enough for them. That car just continues to go backwards. Um, mm -hmm. Doesn't help when you're getting punted off the road by Sergio Perez, though. No, definitely not. Anyway, driver of the day? Yeah, I mean... I don't always like doing it, but I find it very hard to um, to look past Verstappen on this because it's it's just so dominant. Like, yeah, and especially he's another one of those races where he's got above and beyond out of that car, no matter how good it is, and his teammates down the back of the pack just smashing into people and taking weird penalty pit stops and coming back out to serve penalties like the, the contrast is just so stark like it's just so ridiculous the difference it's day and night um and i think that just adds to it like 100 percent there's got to be shout outs for the mclaren boys for finishing where they did ahead of 
the yeah. Ferraris and the Mercs, who are like the legit second place contenders. At well, in the championship, they are. I'd, I'd be very interested if someone can be bothered to do the legwork before I do it of looking at like a, a championship pre um, McLaren big updates and then post just to see where mm. they actually sit in comparison to Mercedes and Ferrari because I do genuinely think that they'd be if they'd been this competitive all season they'd probably so what I'm thinking is take Aston's first half of the season form and McLaren's second half of the season form merge them together and you've kind of got where Aston should have been had they developed the car and where McLaren should have been had yeah. they started the season like they, they are now and just imagine if those two scenarios had been different and you'd like genuinely got Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin <laughs> and Mercedes fighting it out tooth and nail for second place I'd have not cared about Max running away with it that's for sure because <laughs> that, that would have been hella good I don't think there's anyone else that screams out at me. I agree, like the McLaren guy's definitely worth mention, but I can I'll go with Max this week, I think. Yeah, that's fair. What about uh, what, move of the day? Yeah, move. There was quite a few to be honest. Um mm. I mean a one thirty R is always good and we got one. Yeah. We did get one. Um Hamilton holding the inside line against Alonso through one thirty. That was R. very good. It's um, not quite the same as around the outside of one thirty R, but I, I mean, any one thirty yards good for me. It's good all the same. Um, the sort of Russell game past Hamilton in the chicane, and then Hamilton repassing him at turn one was pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, Leclerc getting Russell was very good as well when he went around the outside of turn one and two. They used like the worst possible camera angles to show it. Like they showed most of it from yes. Leclerc's helmet cam. Yeah. But he was going past someone, that, so you couldn't actually see the car he was passing. But that was the one where they briefly looked at it in case he'd gone over track limits. Yes, wasn't it? it was. That was that one. Yeah, that was a good move. That's that's up there as well, actually. Yeah, it's a good place um, to There was Lawson and Sonoda on the opening lap as well. They kind of ran side by side for a few corners and Lawson ended yes. up getting ahead through the second Degner. I thought that was very good. Yeah, that was good. Um I mean, I'm, I'm. All the others are good, but I feel like I'm hard pressed to put anything above one thirty R personally. <laughs> I don't know about you, but no, I can go with you on that. It's, 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 it's always spectacular. It's one of those corners where if I'm ever racing online on that circuit, I want to get somebody there just because I know how much of a yeah, like a a move it actually is I don't care about doing it anywhere else I want to do it, do it around one thing yeah. there's also nothing worse than being on the way to that corner and someone like hovering with their nose just next oh. to you it's like oh here we go yeah you know what's we going. both ended up in the wall here yeah so yeah right last one honestly what the f- are we doing here I mean I know where this is going there's only one thing it's gonna be it doesn't even matter what the, there was there was it was a race with so many potential candidates, but this just trumps and usurps all of them. Like, how how can you retire a car and then 45 minutes later send it back out? That that alone is wild. But then the fact that you can unretire your car to serve a penalty in the pit lane to avoid having a grid drop for the next race, like, how is that okay? It's so weird. Um... Yeah, I, I just baffling. Like initially, I thought they were doing it so they could have a nice um, championship photo on the uh, on the cooldown lap and have both the cars out there for that. But yeah, he just went out, did a couple of laps, changed his tires to serve his penalty, and then retired again. It's so so weird. Yeah, the the thing is, like, it's a. Uh... It's technically always been possible, right? Like you've always been able to stick the car in the garage. Like we, we've we've seen it before. We've seen people in essentially a retirable position, and because they've got like um, uh, like recon parts on it, like new parts essentially mm-hmm. that they're not fully understanding yet, they'll repair some like critical damage and 
still send them out back on laps like five laps down or something this was just way extended beyond anything that we've seen before so it's not it's not like it's the first time it's ever happened but it's the first time it's ever happened to this extreme and it's definitely the first time to my knowledge that someone's used it to circumvent a grid penalty and yeah, i think it's... that's that that's the bit that gets me is that i'm hoping that this is the bit of the loophole that they close like i don't necessarily have a problem with teams repairing a car and sending it back out to start circulating again if it's if it's safe and it's drivable just on the basis that when you've got a race like this where you're already down to 15 finishes and i don't know say there's adverse weather whatever you might actually somehow 10 laps down still get points yeah you never know it is legitimately possible so i don't necessarily have a problem with that part of it the thing that i would say that they need to find a way of closing the loophole is that if you have retired whether you rejoin or not the penalty that you had at the time if it was unserved still transfers over that's that's the easy solution to the problem yeah. because they'd have not gone back out if that was the case um if they had if it was like in a testing sort of like say we were i don't know early european races and people had new parts on the car they would have potentially done something similar and sent them out just to get yeah. data Go and treat it as a test session exactly and i have no problem with that as i say if the car's safe and they're not like tripping other people up and do you know what i mean and it's just like it, it it's safe the penalty thing is the problem and that's the, yeah that's what needs to happen is the moment you dnf the penalties are taken there like as in transferred over there regardless of if you go back out and then it's problem solved i think for the grand scheme of things. yeah i think so and I have people seen people say that this sort of thing happens in F2 and F3, sort of. Not a lot, but, like, you do see it happening, and the FIA have never thought to close that loophole in those. But then again, mm. I don't know how much attention the FIA pay to F2 and F3 <laughs> the majority of the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, like, in the lower formula, you do see people maybe repairing cars and going back out to, to do recon laps, don't you? You do see it. Um, yeah. So if the car's not totally trashed, they, they do go back out um i mean yes it's a very different formula and and race format but like i like the element of repairing the car under pressure to get it back out there and and at least see the race to the end and the reason i do is because it just makes think of things like le mans and and endurance racing because that's exactly what happens there you can take the side off a car essentially in a barrier as, as long as you can get it back and don't leave the car until you're in the pits, as long as you can meet that criteria, it can be repaired and it can go back out. Yeah. So that, like, like I say, that part of this rule, no problem with. It's just this stupid penalty loophole that they've taken advantage yeah. of. And in the grand scheme of things, it probably doesn't actually affect things that much because it's Sergio Perez and he's probably going to qualify flipping... 15 for something <laughs> and it'll make no difference to qatar because it'll be in it'll fail to get out of q1 and it wouldn't have done anything anyway except maybe just put him behind a couple of williams or a couple of alphas or something <sighs> like well, stick it on pole now to prove you wrong do you know what i genuinely hope he does i genuinely I do hope as he well. does, but my gut tells me he won't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the way he's been lately and i think that that's the worst bit of it is like if it if this was a max situation and like someone was close to the title fight and all all that kind of stuff, it would be like so much more egregious. Uh, it just it just like it makes me laugh that we've come across this situation for someone that's two hundred points behind the leader <laughs> of the championship and still second. <laughs> like they've just won the world constructors title whether or not he he gets this penalty or not like there was nothing on the line they were they weren't they weren't gaining anything in reality by doing it they were probably just honestly it feels like it was just the red bull of we found a bit of a, a bit of a cheeky way to circumvent this let's exactly see how far was. we can push it and on the basis that if it gets accepted and they don't do anything about it Everybody then knows it's doable for the future. If they do what they have and they say, we're going to close this loophole for future, then it's done, isn't it? But yeah, 
I mean, Christian the, Horner said not having a grid penalty for Qatar was the only positive from Jacko's race. <laughs> I mean, he's not, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong at all. He's not wrong. So, yeah, I don't, so many other weird things that we could have talked about for this, like a trophy that you kiss that lights up when you kiss it. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything else now because I'm now just thinking of what you might have stopped when you it a little <laughs> But yeah, there were definitely other things, but Perez going back out after 45 minutes just to stop a grid penalty is uh, definitely just the worst that. of it. Right, I'm going to run us through predictions. Um, so, um, average week for most people, I think. The highest score we had was three, and 20 people scored that. So, unfortunately, I haven't got time to rattle through all those names, but if you head to the website at backofthegrid.com, um, you'll be able to find yourself in the list and, and see if you are one of those people, or if not, at least what you did get. Um, Stu, our very own Stu, was one of those three-pointers, um, mainly because of the, the split decisions we had about science. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, he scored there, and obviously we all got double over Stappen. Uh, <laughs> I want to give a little bit of a shout-out out of those three-point scorers to Mike Dordlin, literally the only person of the entirety of Predictions League this week to have gone for 15 finishes. The only person. He chose so, Carnage. Yeah. Good choice. Ne- nearly scuppered by Perez going out and trying to finish the race. But yeah. <laughs> now he got the 15. Um, in terms of overall scores, effortlessly leads the way with 35 points. And then there's three people tied behind Lee in second with 33 points. So very very close in the top at least it's much closer than the real championship let's put it that way <laughs> um in terms of fantasy leagues in the grid rival league uh discord and patrons very own blaze i'm sure blaze is around somewhere maybe not listening live but knocking around somewhere uh, 1088 points in grid rivals this week but the weirdest thing i've ever seen one of the closest things i've ever seen um three other people finished second with just a single point behind 1087 wow. so four people all within a single point basically which is teams. yeah it was well i mean i'm an idiot i did this race with no one but oscar piastri and mclaren yeah i forgot to update mine as well it's because the contracts ended up to singapore and i'm so good because usually my team involves both the McLaren drivers and Verstappen, and then I alternate between McLaren and Red Bull as my constructor. And uh, yeah, I, I could have scored so many points if I'd have remembered to go renew some contracts. So don't ever, everybody else don't Got forget. It. So effortlessly clearly doesn't forget though because he has. I don't even know how to say this. This is such a big number: sixteen thousand two hundred fifty-nine points on the season for effortlessly. So that's two leagues that Lee is leading. That's crazy. The predictions, king. I'm assuming it's king, king queen. I'm assuming it's a male league, just because of the spelling. Apologies if it's not. Um, and then F1 Fantasy, the official fantasy league. I managed to get in it this week. Um, <laughs> Al- Alpha, Alpha No More. Love that one. Two hundred ninety-eight <laughs> points this week. Um, I'm a little bit peeved by this one because I nearly, I nearly won this league two weeks in a row. I got two hundred ninety-five. Yeah, I got pipped by a couple of points. Um, overall, it's still Ricky Bobby Racing School with 4,727. Yeah, that's right. I'm having yes. I'm having some sort of episode here. <laughs> like number, I've just become like... Number troubles. Yeah, whatever the dyslexic word for numbers is, if it's not the same thing. Like, I'm looking at them and they're just all over the place. I don't know what I'm doing. With that, I'm going to move this to Inbox and hopefully I can read those instead. <laughs> Is. Uh, keep me saying now. But stay, but stay on. Hey, man. Shall I go first? Yeah, you do the first one. I'll go first. From Mike P. Hey, man. 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 Hey, um, that is bizarre that his results just don't matter anymore to anyone but that second place in the drivers for him put some like wild and wacky aero parts on it and just see if the FIA have any issues with them yeah just, just test just, some like bend, just, boundary pushing stuff yeah test stuff that 
might knowingly draw an appeal, but just see if it works. I mean, you could put that on Verstappen's car at this point, and it wouldn't really matter, to be honest. Just give it one more <laughs> race and stick it on whichever car you want. <laughs> give it, give it one more race and get them to switch cars, just to prove that it's like it's not specifically that car, and just yeah. squash that whole conspiracy theory that the cars are different. Just swap them after Qatar. Have it done with. He'll still win every race. Guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. That's the just shenanigans. Send a, just send Paris out with car 33 as well and see if anyone notices. <laughs> yeah. Just li- yeah, literally swap them with numbers and all and just see what yeah. happens. Uh, right, that's the shenanigans out of the way. Jay Alexander says, um, if Red Bull are to let Perez go, where do you think he would end up? He's shown that he's a very good driver in the past, but has this most recent season undermined his market value? I mean, yes is the very simple answer to the last part of that question. It has. Um, so I've always kind of seen him as sort of ending up doing kind of what Bottas is doing now, like moving back down the grid and kind of mm. helping build up a smaller team. But like... Honestly, with the current grid, I just can't see where he'd go. Like, I think as good as a driver as he has been in the midfield teams, I think there's just some element of being in the front running and having that expectation on you. Like, he thrives as the underdog, and having the expectation and the demand on him appears to be a problem. And... Mm-hmm. I'm saying that with reference back to when he briefly got the McLaren seat, uh, which was when Lewis first went to Mercedes and he was Jensen's teammate for a year to replace Lewis. And was it was it directly after Lewis left? Yes, it was, wasn't it? Because then Magnussen came in to replace Perez, if I remember rightly. Anyway, I'm getting off track. <laughs> My point was is that he went there and everyone was like, oh, it's just a bit too soon for him. He's not quite ready for that. But go look back at that McLaren season and it wasn't too dissimilar to this season that he's having right now, just like clattering into me. I mean, he clattered into someone, funnily enough, at Japan in a very similar fashion to what he did because he nearly wiped, I'm sure it was Jensen out. Pretty sure he nearly took somebody out in a very similar fashion to what he did this weekend. Well, Jensen was his teammate then, wasn't he? Yeah. Definitely had some comings together around that season. Yeah, yeah. So, I I think once he's done a Red Bull, I think he's going to be done in F one. I think that's probably yeah. going to be where he calls an end yeah. to it. To be honest, I mean, he he might get a bit of a like a random call up from like a Haas type drive somewhere in the future, but I've yeah, I'd struggle to put him anywhere else on the grid at the minute. And like I say, I think it's just an unfortunate thing that he's he's always been very good at being an underdog. Like his time at Force India, his time at Sauber, and so on. Um, and racing point when it was whichever iteration of that he was at, like yeah, all all those all different eras, he's he's been more competitive than the car for the most part. But there's just something about the step up to that next level, and maybe it's something to do with the way that the those higher teams set up and, and build the cars, or something like that, and or the caliber of teammate is against. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't put my finger on what it is. I just feel like this season is a bit rinse repeat of that McLaren season and it, it feels a bit like damning evidence of it's a bit too much for him, unfortunately. I think I think what you said, like he th- thriving as an underdog is a a good sort of measure of what kind of a driver he is for sure. Yeah. Next from Kay Menger. Why aren't Red Bull pushing Lawson on Williams? In my opinion, it makes perfect sense for everyone to loan Liam to Williams for a year. That way, when they finally sack Checo, Liam will have a year's experience and Williams get a quick kid for another year to pick mm. a long-term choice. I I don't know if that's... See, this is the th- weird thing with Sargent. Like, as much as he's not performing and he's crashing a lot... I don't know if Williams want to just be having a new driver in that seat every single year. And if they yeah. replace Sargent with Lawson now, that's another single year with a driver and then Red Bull will have him back and they'll need to get another driver and who knows what that will be. And obviously they've got stability now with Albon, like he's there long term. They're very much building a team around him. But yeah, the problem is I don't know where else Red Bull put Lawson. No, 
there's I mean not for next season. If they want him on the grid next season, it's literally the only place he could go. It's either that or they'll leave him in super Formula for another year. And yeah. I don't know how other than staying or, race fresh, I don't know what he'll gain from that. Or somebody's breaking a contract to, or to that. move him. Um, just just on the back of this, Roxy's just asking in the Discord chat, do you do you think Liam would go to Red Bull or do you think Daniel would? I'm guessing this is meaning in 12 months' time when the Perez contract's over for 2025. Yeah, I think... I mean, if... I was going to say earlier, if... if Perez continues to be perform like he did this weekend for the rest of this season. I reckon he'll probably keep his seat next year, but he'll very much be like a we'll review this after five, mm. six, seven races or whatever. To be honest, I think if it came to it, they'd probably just promote whoever was performing out mm. of uh, Ricardo and Sonoda at that point. I don't yeah. think Liam, I don't think they'd push Lawson up to Red Bull that quickly. I think Ricardo is probably front of the queue right now, but if he mm. got to that point and Snowder was outperforming him, they'd probably lean his way. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Uh, next one, Charlotte Taylor. See, I told you there were some that weren't about Perez and Red Bull. Uh, if Lewis <laughs> can finish second in the championship in this car, where would this season rank amongst his best? Hmm. Very interesting question. Again, I hate that we spent most of the episode bashing Paris, but I do think if Lewis finishes second this year, <laughs> that does say more about Paris than it does about Hamilton. Um, yeah. Hamilton's had a good year, definitely better than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Championship Fight Hamilton is a different driver to not in a championship fight Hamilton he's yeah. got an extra 5 or 10% that he only really switches on when he's properly in a championship fight that has not really been there that much for the last couple of years I think yeah I think that I mean it's not it's definitely a lot better than last season let's put it that way um, yeah. and the thing is the guy doesn't have many bad seasons so it, 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 it I think Despite being a good finish, whether he's second or third, if he's if he's in any of those positions, that's a very good finish where the car um, maybe ought to be compared to some of the others around it. But in terms of just his overall performances, it's been quite a middle-of-the-road season for him, I think, generally. It's probably been more... It's a little bit more capitalising on other people underperforming than it has been him overperforming if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas the championship fight years, whether he's won it or just come close, those sort of seasons are like out of his skin drives and, and like him, as as Stu sometimes says, I'll borrow one of his phrases, but like him putting it somewhere it doesn't deserve to be. Yeah. Whereas this season it's been more people ahead of him have fallen away, allowing him to be. And don't get me wrong, it's been very, very good drives to put himself in the position to capitalise on those. But I think that there's only been like flashes of that proper raw like Hamilton. Um, like Sarah just said in the chat, we saw a bit of it in Singapore in that yeah. final stint. And I think yeah. if Mercedes had made the call to swap Russell and Hamilton, I think he would have won that race. Yeah, and that would have been one of the solid drives but yeah it's not been like a season of them and like just going back to the context of the question is like where would the season rank generally about average i would say in all honesty with one one or two very good drives in there but nothing that's like i'm not going to look back in in 10 years time and go <laughs> oh my word do you remember like how good lewis yes. was in 2023 like it's not going to happen so but yeah, yeah by his very high standards Fairly average, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last question this week from Anthony Durkin. Will the FIA change the sporting regs regarding Checo's one-hour garage stop? I believe they already have, have they not? Or they've they've put it in place too? Well, so originally Ted Kravick said that it was being pushed through to be changed. But then I've read something since that said that was a bit of a miscommunication. Actually, there's nothing... Yeah. 
official yet. To okay. be honest, I don't think they will. And for no other reason than this is, to my memory, the first time this has ever cropped up. And I suspect they won't change the rule and this just won't come up again for a long time. I think if it's a thing teams start doing repeatedly, they probably will look at it. Because mm. there's a chance now that other teams will like see this and be like, oh, that's a thing we can do to get away with a grid penalty. But yeah, it requires a very specific set of circumstances. Like You need to have a penalty hanging over you and have retired the car but also be in a position to send the car back out. Like, it's quite a specific set of yeah, circumstances. It, it, it's definitely a mid-league edge case. It's out there. Yeah. Um, I think I think the simplest solution to it all is the one I said earlier, which is you just put something in place that if you've received a penalty and you then retire the car, whether you go back out or not, and if you've not served that penalty, it is transferred to a grid penalty. Whether you go back out or not, basically. Yeah, it can. It can literally be like if you put the car into the garage, or if you're, yeah. you know, in your pit box for more than X time, you yeah. can no longer do it. Yeah, that's all it needs. Yeah. yeah, and that that's the simplest solution. If they don't put that in, like you say, I think the the edge case that it is. There's a reason that we've not seen it before, most most likely, and that's because it's probably it's very rare that you end up in that situation more than anything. So yeah, yeah, I'd. I'm not going to be too concerned if they don't change it, but we know the fix is simple, so... Exactly. We win either way, hopefully. Oh, and that is it. We have managed a two-man show. Just the <laughs> two of us. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us about anything from this week or or even start pre-sending questions for next week, uh, feel free to do so. There's plenty of ways you can do it and get involved with the show. There's Facebook, just search for Back of the Grid. You can find us on X and Twitter, whichever name you prefer to use. Um, and then there's obviously YouTube as well. Um, subscribe to us on there. Hit the bell for the new episodes. There's also all the shorts and stuff that we put out through the week. And then, like I say, we go through the comments on there and use some of those for inbox if, if there's ever any questions in it. So if that's your preferred medium, submit something there. Old school style, you can head to the website at backofthegrid.com and just fill in the contact form. And you can also go there if you want to register for the Predictions League or join any of the Fantasy Leagues and get your team involved in those. Um, always worth doing the Predictions League, even at this point in the season, because there is a prize if you get five out of five. I think I've covered everything. Ooh, Patreon. If you want to get involved in the Discord, live chatting with us whilst we're doing the show and feeding us little tidbits of nice stats that we can read out, like um, the Destruction Championship, then <laughs> head to patreon.com forward slash back of the grid where you can learn how to get involved with that. So that is everything for this week, uh, and we will see you next week as we start looking ahead towards Qatar. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.